Oh, what is the upskis, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. This is episode 51, and this week we will be talking about the firing of Kyle Dubas. It it happened, everybody. It, it, it happened. And we got to talk about the Arizona Coyotes. Is this the last time we're going to see the Arizona Coyotes in the NHL before they get moved? And, of course, round three of the NHL playoffs continue onward, and Calgary Flames hired somebody. We'll be talking about that. So, let's dive into it. Where should we start? I mean... I think we should probably talk about... Let's do Arizona first because uh, this is just, you know, a little bit disappointing. So the voting for Arizona to get their new arena built in Tempe uh, has not gone through. The, The voters have declined all three propositions offered up. And um, honestly, I didn't see that coming. I thought I thought this would have went through. Maybe it would have been a little close. But um, yeah, so it's not going through. They're not going to build the arena. They're not going to turn a literal landfill dump into a, a nice, uh, you know, a entertainment complex. So I'm a little bit perplexed by that. I think it's very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it would have been good for Arizona obviously for it to move the big problem with Arizona why it hasn't been very successful there's a lot of reasons behind that but one of the main ones is that the arena was built out in the middle of nowhere I mean Ottawa they can they can relate to a similar problem like that which is going to get fixed but Arizona's uh, arena was just very far out there they honestly have not had a lot of success since they entered the the NHL uh, they went to the conference finals one time super underdog story that year mostly Mike Smith carrying them, carrying them to that but there hasn't been a lot of success they have no first overall picks they haven't really had any amazing superstars in Arizona they have Shane Doan who was a good great player but not really ever a superstar in the league they have Clayton Keller who is arguably a superstar I think uh, considering that he's played in Arizona and he's putting up the numbers that he did I think he would be a superstar if maybe he was somewhere else and Maybe, I don't know what the future is going to be for a lot of these players and what the future is going to be for Arizona. A lot of speculation is that they're going to get moved somewhere. They're going to get relocated. This is very similar to how it went down with Atlanta when they moved back to Winnipeg. So uh, their their deal came, uh, came to an end. They didn't have a home. They didn't have an arena to go to. Winnipeg had an arena ready to go. So it was a pretty quick move for them uh Atlanta to go to Winnipeg and it's it's quite similar to what's going on right now so Arizona they don't have a new home they have the whatever the little building that they're in right now they're they're still there but their their future is up in question obviously so a lot of players they're not too into that they have I believe his name Logan Cooley he said he's going to not play in the NHL next year he's just going to stay put in and play in the what do you call it, the juniors or wherever he's going to play. So that's already, you know, a big old red flag for, you know, what's going to happen for Arizona in the in the near future or the future. If people don't know what the future of that organization is, they have no idea if they're going to stay there, where they're going to get relocated, if a relocation is going to happen, are they going to continue to play in a 5,000-seat arena? So players aren't too intrigued at the moment to uh, commit to Arizona because they're, they don't know what the hell is going on. So that's going to be a big old problem for them if they're going to be able to like it's going to be a problem that maybe they're not going to be able to sign their high draft picks up and coming they have a big amount of draft picks for this one 
We don't know if any or all of those guys are going to sign with them. We don't know any of that stuff. So relocation-wise, there's a lot of rumors going around. I mean, Houston has been available and wanting to get their foot into the NHL for a long time right now. It makes a lot of sense. It's a huge, huge market. They would already have a built-in rivalry there with the Dallas Stars. And, I mean, they're in the West, so that's a big thing. Uh, Right now, there's a lot of people want uh, another team in Canada, maybe a Hamilton. Everybody wants the Quebec Nordiques to come back. And sadly, like league-wide, every analyst, everyone's like 0% chance that the Nordiques come back with this uh, Arizona getting moved there is just not going to happen. Which, I mean, obviously, it's a huge shame. We would love to have another Canadian team in the market, but it's it's just not there. So maybe maybe someday in the future we'll see the Nordiques back. I mean, I would love that. They were long. They were gone before I got into the long gone before I got into the NHL. But of course, their legend remains. I mean, goddamn, is the Nordiques? They got one of the greatest looking jerseys. The reverse retro for the Colorado Avalanche that came out a couple of years ago. Oh my god, it was so gorgeous. But other than Houston, I mean, there's there's a couple other places that have, um, I think Ohio has, or not Ohio, uh, Salt Lake City, I think is in Ohio. Anyway, there's been a lot of speculation about where they could get moved to. I think Houston just makes the most sense. It's the biggest market. They're ready and able to do it. So interested to hear what you guys think of what's going to happen with the Arizona Coyotes. I'm not going to say it's a guarantee that they move, but it's it's pretty it's pretty good chance that they're going to get moved right here because this is this is just not a good situation and so many other teams you know have things ready for them so we're hoping that Gary Bettman will finally just pull the plug on this experiment and it was just a failure and I don't think it was because of the people of Arizona I don't think it's because there aren't fans of hockey in Arizona I think there absolutely are fans in Arizona of hockey of course it's just they have not had anything really to cheer about. Like I said, it's been run terribly. They don't have a building. Like, it's just not good, man. So if they leave, would would there be an opportunity to see, you know, another team come to Arizona or Phoenix in the in the late future? Maybe. I don't know, man. Like, you can really never say never. I mean, Atlanta, there's thoughts that uh, they could get a third chance. I mean, maybe. I don't think that Atlanta... I I think they should try a different market first before they try Atlanta for the third time. But, you know, it'd be cool. Very similar, like I said, the same thing kind of happened to Atlanta. They just didn't have a building, and then Winnipeg was was ready and able, so off they went. And that's that's a great story for Winnipeg fans, obviously. But going to be interesting, man. I'm going to have my eyes on the Arizona Coyotes and what's going to go on with them in the future. It's uh, very disappointing, man. I can't, I, I honestly was a little bit surprised that that vote didn't go through. And I mean, it, I have really nothing against the Arizona Coyotes. It's just that it's been, it's just been losing money. It hasn't been successful for so long. Like, I just don't know why they wanted to keep it going on and on and on. And everyone's like, oh, you wouldn't have Austin Matthews if there wasn't hockey in Arizona. I mean, that's not necessarily true, but probably. I mean, Matthews more than likely would have went into baseball or something like that. But that's fine. So um, now that we brought up Matthews, I think we should <laughs> we should go over to Leafland for a little bit and let's spend some time here because it was a pretty big big event went down in Toronto this this past week. So Kyle Dubas former general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He is out skis. So um, Shanahan came out and gave us a lot of details. He basically ran us down the whole entire event of 
of of Kyle Dubas and their conversations that they had, and you know the the leading up to Shanahan telling him that they're not going to be renewing Kyle Dubas for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I mean, I mean, honestly, I am again a little bit surprised, but not like oh my god, like I cannot believe this happened. I just found it, it's a little weird because, you know, they win the first round, his job is safe, oh, this guy's not going anywhere, and then if because they didn't win two games in the second round, okay, this guy has to go, everything has to change, and yada yada, but, you know, what? how different would, have, would it have been if, if the Leafs made it to six games instead of getting eliminated in five? Like, would Kyle Dubas still be here? How close was that line of him going and staying? I think, honestly, he was... He was locked in until he came out. He had that, whatever, the, the meeting or he had that press conference, which Shanahan said, don't do it. And he went out and did it anyway. And that's kind of where Shanahan said he basically lost faith in Kyle Dubas. He, Kyle Dubas in that press conference sounded very unsure about about his job. And, and, you know, you don't really want to have your leader or one of your bigger guys feeling unsure. You want to have a guy that's 100% confident in everything that he's doing. And maybe Dubas, after eight, nine years of being in this organization and it just not working out, and maybe the pressure of the media and the pressure of being the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs maybe got to him in that moment. That's what a lot of people are speculating. And, you know, in hindsight, I think maybe Shanahan was right to not have that conference when he had it maybe he was still dealing with some of the high emotions and all of this and maybe if he took a little bit more time things would have been said a little bit differently but it is what it is it's done now Kyle Dubas is out so I mean what do we think of Kyle Dubas I mean we're he's going to be remembered for the quote of we can and we will meaning that he was going to sign the core four and he was going to keep them all and no matter what they're not going anywhere and he he stood by that man he really really did and maybe with Dubas going out now maybe that's the you know that's the official like okay that means the core is over now they're they're gonna move someone or something and I mean, it might be. It could be because uh, Dubas said he's not going to do it. So they're, hey, we'll keep you. We'll make sure that your word is safe and we'll just fire you. So technically, yeah, you kept the, the core four together. Was it the right move? No, not necessarily. I don't think so. It's easy to say that in hindsight. You know, I, I wouldn't have wanted to be in his shoes necessarily because... To pull off a trade like that, to make that decision, you know, kind of in the same way that Florida did last year, moving off at Huberto and Mackenzie Weger, bringing in Kachuk. I mean, that's that. If Dubas did that, I mean, can you imagine the media on that guy? If he, let's just say theoretically, he just did one for one Marner for Kachuk, like that would have been the talk about it a whole freaking year, and and it would have been out of control because it's the Canadian market, much much more heat on on uh, whatever decisions Dubas makes because he's the GM of Toronto. But I thought Dubas did a really good job. I mean, I think the beginning was really shaky because of the way that he signed the core four. I mean, I think he lost every battle there except for Willie Nylander. But in that time frame, he lost that battle because William Nylander sat out and then he came back and he was terrible. So that was basically an entire season of William Nylander wasted. And yes, now that 
the dust has settled from that war with Willie Nylander that actually ended up being a very, very good contract sign. But at the time, people were pissed off about it. I was lukewarm on it. I mean, I thought it was an okay deal. It would have been better if it was cheaper, obviously. But um, the one that really got us, I think, is both of them, Marner and Matthews. Both of those contracts, I think, were an overpayment. Uh, even Matthews, man, I think that was just too much money to give a guy that hadn't done enough in the league just yet, and I think Dubas just got taken advantage of. They made it very well known that you know it was they were going to give him whatever he wanted, and they did. Like he's got his number built into his contract, so clearly they're like they gave all the cards to Matthews. When in reality, like you hold, they held all the leverage in that. It was a restricted. There were restricted free agents. They could have just. Let him sit, which they did, and at, well, not Matthews. Matthews didn't sit any, and Marner barely sat, but Marner made a big stink all summer long, and, I mean, me, I, I know, like, it's it's easy to say it now, but I think that Dubas should have put his foot down and not let Marner do what he did, and I think that comes down to Marner's agent. He's just a really good agent. He wants, he knows how to get money, uh, his Marner's dad was just being really vocal and annoying about the whole thing, basically speaking for Marner. And yeah, it was just not good, man. I I don't like the signings of Marner or Matthews. Marner was just way, 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 way more money than I I thought he was going to make. Like, I thought he was going to be about eight million, eight and a half. He ends up getting almost $11 million, which just like really threw a wrench in all of the plans. Honestly, like, even before COVID, I was already like, whoa, that's like way more money than I thought. Bringing in John Tavares, I mean, it was so good. It was a little bit odd when they did it because they had Kadri, and Kadri was at that time a very, very quality second line center and one of the best third line centers after John Tavares came in. But I mean, Kadri was decent at the time. Bringing in John, I mean, there was, there was other needs that Toronto needed at that time, but uh, at that time, you know, Stanley Cup champions were generally very, very strongly built down the middle. You're looking at Pittsburgh Penguins with like Crosby, Malkin, Jordan Stahl, and then when Jordan moves on, so on and so forth. But lots of teams just had that strong center depth. So, I mean, I can't say that I wasn't bragging about the Leafs probably having the best center depth in the league when we had Austin Matthews, John Tavares, and Nazem Kadri. Like, oh my goodness, that was just destruction. But in reality, the Leafs always needed defense and or goaltending. That was always a weakness of theirs. Once once he had Willie Marner and Matthews in the lineup, I mean, offense was coming at a, at a very good rate. And maybe not so much nowadays. So that could be with the, G, the next GM, which we'll talk about who that could be. But, I, I mean... It's hard on Dubas, man, because like he had to go through the pandemic. That's something you cannot predict happening, and it happened, and it really did fuck up a lot of his plans, obviously. The cap was expected to go up a lot, and you can tell that that was they had that very much so in mind when they were signing all these contracts prior to COVID happening, and then COVID happened, and it definitely fucked up their plans because they had it all planned out that, okay, cap's going up this, and then those Matthew Marner, William Nylander contracts, even the John Tavares one, as the years went by, those contracts were supposed to, you know, become more of a bargain as the years went by and the salary cap went up. Problem is, that didn't happen. So those contracts, Marner, Matthews, I mean, Marner, I mean, he was fine. I think, I still think, even with the numbers that he put up and even being a Selkie nominee, I still think he's overpaid because the production 
and it's it's just not there in the playoffs and he hadn't earned that money at the time that they signed it and yeah that could be up to the NHL changing where you're starting to see the younger guys get their money earlier and then maybe the older guys take a discount later on in their careers instead of being a hindrance to their teams later on in their careers like okay now you're getting the money when you're like 31 and then you got this nine million dollar beat up and bruised guy that's just not the guy that he was so I understand them giving them their money now it can easily come back to bite you and I mean Matthews yeah he's got the 60 goal uh, season underneath his belt the big problem was with the that contract was that it was only for five years. Again, with with that in mind, that's going to walk him right to unrestricted free agency, which terrified the shit out of everybody. Very, very, very bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see if that plays out because that's still up in the air. We don't like everyone's still fairly convinced that Matthews is going to stay, even with Dubas leaving, but there, there's still so much in the air. It, it all depends on who comes in and who goes out and what the plans are. They're going to have to reestablish uh, relationships with Matthews, with the new GM and shit. So it, I'm not, I can't say it's a guarantee. It still feels really good as long as the direction of the team is still to win the Stanley Cup, which I imagine it's going to be. I, I don't think Matthews is going to up and leave and go to a rebuilding team or something like that. So. I think I think it's okay with Matthews. The problem was at the time he signs the five year deal, scares the hell out of everybody. Uh, Brian Burke says, "Oh, he's going to be Arizona Coyote by that year." And uh, no, I mean, yeah, it definitely was a little horrible seed that you planted there, Berkey, and all of us Toronto Maple Leafs heads. You sick fuck. But I mean, Dubis, I thought he did a really good job, especially. At the little things, I thought, well, not even the little things. I thought he did a great draw, a job at drafting. Uh, even though, you know, you can't say anything about Rodion Amirov. I mean, he's got brain cancer. So, I mean, I thought at the time, before all that shit came down, I thought that was going to be an absolute money pick. You look at Sandine, he looks like a really quality player. And yeah, people are kind of giving uh, Dubas shit about that trade, trading off Sandine, bringing in Gustafson, who didn't really do anything, but he also brought in that first-round pick, which I feel like people are forgetting. I don't think it's that bad of a deal. Um, I mean, Sandine was drafted in and around that position of the pick that they're going to have. Uh, well, not really. I mean, it's I think it's 28, uh, the Boston pick that they have this one, but I mean, Dubas has been able to find those diamonds in the rough. This is a very deep draft, so very good chance they're going to find another quality player. With that first-round pick, Could they could move down. They can grab two seconds. Who knows what they're going to do with that first-round pick. I think it was really good that they got that back. I mean... I don't know what the future was going to be with Sandine. They really just didn't seem to like him. I mean, I like Sandine quite a bit. I was very, very sad to see him go, but I think Lilligren, I mean, he seems to be the more sturdy guy right now. I think Sandine has the higher ceiling. If he can get there, that's the question. But, I mean, it was a questionable trade, sure. I think that that trade was unfinished. I believe there was more that Dubas wanted to be done with that. I think he would have moved. Maybe not moved Gustafson, but he could have moved. He could have done something. I think he wanted to do something with that first rounder. And I think he could still do something with that first rounder at the draft. We'll have to wait and see. But that won't be up to him. I, th- I believe right now it's Brandon Printham who is the acting general manager. Could he remain up for debate I mean uh, from what the Leafs are saying right now that's not the direction they want to go to they want to find a GM that has the experience has a lot of experience in fact and they don't really want to go with another um, GM that's rather new to the league or 
you know, doesn't have that experience, which would be Brandon Pridham. He's been the assistant general manager beside Dubas for like the last five seasons or so. And like, basically he's just been the assistant GM the entire time that Dubas has been here. They've been like together. So it would make sense. I mean, if they put him there, it just doesn't really fit what they're going for. Right. So uh, the, the talks out there right now is that they're they're really looking at uh, the former GM of the Calgary Flames, uh, Brad Treliving. So, I mean, that I think that could be good. Brad Treliving, longtime GM of the Calgary Flames. He was up there for about 10 years. And I thought he did a pretty good job, especially navigating those very, very tricky waters of Matthew Kachuk wanting out and Johnny Goudreau leaving. I thought he did a very good job in that. He's been in a Canadian market for a long time, so he's very familiar with that. Not a whole lot of um, success over there in Calgary. I mean, no Stanley Cups under their belt with him there, but uh, some good runs, definitely some disappointing ones. You know, we're looking at this season as being uh, very disappointing, but it's not the first time they've had uh, expectations and then did not deliver on those expectations. So Brad Treliving seems to be one of the favorites right now. I think I think it would be good, man. I, I, I like Brad Treliving. He's, um, he seems to be well-liked. And, I mean, it's good now that the Calgary Flames have allowed him to talk to other teams. That was a little bit of a thing for a, a little while there that they weren't going to let him talk to anybody. And then, I don't know, I'd imagine that everyone giving Calgary Flames shit for that allow maybe you soften them up to let him go talk because like why would you do that man the guy gave you 10 years he was great for you guys and you, you would fuck him over like that it just that wouldn't sit right so thankfully they're letting him talk and he's talked to the lease another name that is floating out there a lot i mean i don't think it's going to happen but i if brad is i think it's brad armstrong the gm of st louis i mean the dude has a big old track record forget what team he was with I think he was with Dallas before and then he went to St. Louis we all know what happened in St. Louis they win their first Stanley Cup with him there they had a lot of success but I mean he's still very much so the St. Louis GM he's not like a free agent or anything so they would have to like coax him out of there and you know I think it would take a lot I mean Armstrong I don't know man I that one I just really can't see happening that just seems like I think people are just trying to will that one into existence because they would love to have him over there. Like, who wouldn't? You got a guy who built a Stanley Cup champion over there. They went through some really big lows and highs. So he seems like another guy that would fit the bill pretty good. But I don't think he's going to come over. I mean, it it would be pretty sick, but... People think that he would have to be given the president role or just a bigger role than just the GM. Like, just GM wouldn't be enough. Like, why would you leave St. Louis? Like, you're you're there. I know the team had a fairly underwhelming season, but it looks like they're primed and ready for a nice rebound. I mean, bringing in Kapanen for nothing, and uh, I think it's Verona from Detroit. I mean... I think that St. Louis could be a really strong rebounding team next year. It's going to come down to Bennington, man. Like, Bennington, that's going to be the tough one. That A lot of their success is going to rely on that guy's shoulders, so hopefully they can bring in a decent backup goalie for him. Word is that Ryan O'Reilly is more than likely going to return to the St. Louis Blues. I mean, breaks my heart that Ryan O'Reilly isn't going to come back, but that was another really big ask. I mean, the, he, he would have to take a discount. He doesn't have to take a discount. He's still worth money. And 
you know, I just, according to him or from what I'm hearing, it wasn't necessarily like he didn't hate it here, but I just don't think he loved it. I guess I'm not really sure, but his home is St. Louis. So I completely understand that if he's going to go back there, it would you know really help them in their rebound chances. Right. So yeah, whatever the new GM is, is going to do, he's going to have a lot of work ahead of him. You got a lot of unrestricted free agents on this team Noel Achari who everyone wants back Michael Bunting more than likely gone you got some restricted free agents you got to work with Samsonov and so on and so forth you got the Matt Murray thing like what are you going to do with Matt Murray so I mean there's definitely some work to do for the new GM you got the upcoming draft you got so I don't know if they're going to keep Pridham in there and let him do the draft and and until and until they can get a guy in there. I'm not, I have no idea, man. I'm not a fly on the wall in that place, but I mean, it would be really cool. I feel like it's going to be Brad Treliving. It just seems like that makes the most sense to me. I I mean, other guys have been, I, I haven't heard Stan Bowman's name connected to the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I have heard that a couple of teams have interviewed him. Now that doesn't mean that he's going to come back into the NHL or anything like that, but I don't want that. I don't want him anywhere near the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't care what his track record is. Don't want him here. Just don't want that. Like, can you imagine the media would be all over it? And, I mean, rightfully so. It just don't do that. So, hopefully the Leafs won't sign him. I mean, there's other names out there. Like, Nonis, I've heard his name. Like, he used to be the GM for the Leafs. wasn't very good. He was... He was a GM during a very dark period of the Leafs' time. So, I mean, I don't think people would really welcome him back with open arms. But, um, yeah, man, I- I'm hoping for Brad Treliving. I know he's talking to other teams as well. So, that's that's who I would like to see, I guess. I mean, honestly, I, I would have preferred... I-, I like Dubas, man. I thought Dubas was was fine. Like, I, I-, I liked what he did. Now, maybe they could have changed up some things. I know I'm-, I'm not that big of a fan of their possession kind of situation that they've been playing with for the last few years. I mean, the back passes, like seven back passes, and I don't know, man. It's just, it's been the same thing for too long. Teams seem to know what to do with the Leafs, especially when it comes to playoffs. They they really, they get shut down a lot in the playoffs, and it's always the same excuses. Oh, we just couldn't score. We just couldn't score. And, you know, it's a little bit of a shock to Leaf fans, I think, because they've been such a offensive dynamo over the last few seasons. And this year, they really weren't. They weren't that speed demon team that they have been over the last few seasons. They weren't that insanely high-scoring, crazy <laughs> high-scoring games all the time. They really reined it back this year and focused on defense and focused on 200-foot game. And, and it really helped. I mean, they, they've had the most success. This is probably the most successful uh, Leafs era in a long time, you know, without Stanley Cups or anything. I mean, regular season success has been incredible under Kyle Dubas. I uh, 50 wins, 100 point seasons, best seasons in franchise history. I mean, you can't deny that Dubas built up a fantastic regular season team. Success in the playoffs, though, that's where a lot of it matters. Like, look at the Bruins, man. They had the most successful season in NHL history and they got embarrassed in the first round. So that really doesn't hold a whole lot. Like it's going to look really good on your resume, but when they ask how did the playoffs go, then, you know, if you dig a little bit deeper, you'll be like, oh, okay. So this guy has regular season success, but doesn't have that playoff success. So, you know, it depends what team you are. Some teams are just looking for that regular season success so they can get into the playoffs and then work from there. But, you know, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, it, 
regular season, even this season, like even the season prior, I was like, I don't give a shit about the regular season. It all comes down to playoffs and they didn't come up. They, you know, Dubas didn't have very much success at all. First round exits across the board than this year. Second round appearance finally, but they just didn't make a big enough impact in the second round to impress anybody. And it kind of made the first round not matter to people. And I still, I think it was very important. I think that win is very, very important. It's a learning process. I mean, look at the Panthers. Kind of the same situation what happened to them last year. They make it through the first round finally, and they blow their load, and they get absolutely embarrassed in the second round. They change their game plan. They change everything. It was a little bit scary going through the regular season. They barely made it in, but look at them go now. Like they they could they really look like they're gonna win the Stanley Cup right now. Like that's my favorite out of the four teams remaining right now. We'll we will get there, but fuck man, uh, the Dubis era is over. I thought it, I, th- I thought it was good. I think it was a good, fun ride. Like, man, um, especially for me, right? Because like I started watching it during the Leafs fucking where they couldn't make the playoffs ever. So I went through that big old drought. So just to see and have this success, it was really nice. Um, I, I would have really, really enjoyed more playoff success for sure. That would have made it so much better if we could have had at least. One good run, man. Just one good run there. I mean, so much would be different right now if they had just one third round, one successful second round appearance. And of course, if you had a Stanley Cup, this there'd be none of this. There'd be none, no question marks on anything. Dubas would have a fucking statue built on every corner in Toronto. Sheldon Keefe would have statues on every Tim Hortons, Matthews fucking statues on everywhere. It'd be ridiculous. It'd be fantastic. But that's not the reality we live in. The reality is the Leafs can't win the playoffs, so they got to change. I hope it's. I hope this is going to be the one, man. I hope this is going to be the culture shock, the big shift in in everything in there. And you know, the players apparently made their their pretty bold remarks in their exit interviews. They made it very clear. Now I don't know what they said in particular, but apparently they were very clear and very bold about uh, their feelings about this season. So. I don't know if that has to do with them complaining specifically about Kyle Dubas or them specifically complaining about Sheldon Keefe or anything. But, I mean, you do not. You do not want the prisoners running the asylum. So, my example of this was basically the fall of the Chicago Blackhawks after all their Stanley Cup success. They started letting, like, Taves and Kane kind of dictate what they want to do with the team. And that allowed them to trade away Panarin, bring back in Brandon Saad. And that, that's all she wrote for the Chicago Blackhawks. It was just downfall after that. And I don't want that to happen to Leafs. I don't want Marner and Matthews dictating what players they should go for and what players they should... They're not GMs, okay? So, I mean, yeah, they'd probably name off a player that'd be really good to play with. But if it just doesn't fit and it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I just... I want the GM to... Run the team, and I mean, that could be another problem. So uh, you got the chain of command, like how how in charge was Dubas in, in actuality? Like he had to go to Shanahan. So if he had like a big trade he wanted to do, he had to talk to Shanahan. Shanahan would have to go to the board of directors, talk to them. Board of directors would talk about it, bring it back to Shanahan, bring it back to Dubas, and then the decision is made. So like, 
like who's who's really in charge of the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Like I like Dubis is definitely the face of that. He's the one that's going to be doing the interviews and and talking to the media and shit like that more so than than Shanahan, but in in all in all, I think Shanahan or maybe the board of directors, whoever, have more to answer for this than Dubis. But that's kind of how business goes. Like, there's always going to be a fall guy. I feel like Dubis might be a little bit of a fall guy right here for Shanahan. I feel like Shanahan maybe should have a little bit more heat on him. There's, like, generally no talk about him. I feel like like it, it may come out a little bit later of what Shanahan did or didn't allow Dubas to do. Uh, we kind of know a little bit from the Amazon series where Dubas was talking with uh, Yarmo Kekalainen, the GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and you could see Dubas and Shanahan, they're talking about it. They don't seem to be on the same page. I just don't feel like that relationship between them was all that strong, honestly, and I feel like it was getting weaker and weaker as the years went on. People brought up the fact that we didn't really see Shanahan up in the press boxes very much. You used to see him up there quite often with Kyle Dubas. And, and this past season, especially, you like barely saw them together or talking or anything like that. So maybe that relationship was fractured. Dubas is under Shanahan in command. So I don't know. I'm not saying that Shanahan got Dubas fired, but... You know, I just don't think that there's enough going on to Shanahan. The whole thing's been called the Shanna plan, and the Shanna plan has failed. So I feel like there should be a little bit more onus on him. Do I think Shanahan should get fired? I don't really know. <laughs> I don't necessarily know exactly what Shanahan is doing behind the scenes. So it's it's hard to say, right? So I, I want Shan- like he came out and talked. He was very open about the whole discussions between him and Dubis, which was nice. But uh, we'll see, man. Like that's a whole lot of how this is going to go. What is the future of Sheldon Keefe? Even like I don't feel it's good. I mean, I I can see him. Honestly, I think if they're going to bring in the new GM, if if Sheldon Keefe is not his guy, just get rid of him now. Don't do the Daryl Sutter thing. Don't do what other teams have done where they're just like, okay, we'll just keep him here. The Leafs don't have to worry about money. If Sheldon Keefe, they'll pay him out. It doesn't matter. They print money. They can do shit like that. No problem. Bring in another guy. And who the next coach is going to be of the Toronto Maple Leafs, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be Sheldon Keefe. I think at the point now... You got to bring in a coach that's got the experience. I mean, if they brought in a Joel Quenville, I mean, Jesus, that would be incredible. I'd be, everyone would be very upset, but you got, I think that at this point, you got to bring in a coach that knows how to fucking out coach the other coach. You can't have, cause that's been kind of the story with, with Sheldon Keefe over his last couple of playoff runs. Like he got completely out coached by the other coach. So I think that shit needs to stop. I always thought Sheldon Keefe was pretty good. I always, I liked I just liked what he said, man. He said exactly what I wanted to hear, and yeah, maybe he sold me like a salesman, and and I, I ate up his shit like fucking like no problem. But I liked what he said. I I wouldn't hate for him to stick around, maybe be an assistant coach. I don't know. I just I like a guy that's played the game to be behind there because he has that experience, right? So he he's he's going to be able to get through to a player that you know another guy that hasn't played in the NHL would be able to so I like Sheldon Keefe if he goes he goes I I completely understand it I just think he's maybe at this point a little bit too inexperienced to go up against the way more experienced coaches in the league like Paul Maurice and shit because everyone says that he just got completely outclassed by that coach so I think the Leafs should get out there, find a really good coach, and I don't know who that guy is. You know, Bruce Boudreau is out there. Don't I? I really don't know, man. It's it's a, it's a big old mystery what's going to happen with the Toronto Maple Leafs this off season. I'm hoping 
for something big. Like I think I think something big needs to happen. I don't think Dubas alone is the big enough, you know, slap in the face, wake up everybody. Like what are we doing over here kind of thing, but it's it's definitely going to be interesting, man. I I can't wait to see who the new GM is going to be and what his message is going to be to us and what he plans on doing. It's you know, I I like I don't know. I, I just it's going to be hard, man. It's going to be difficult. But, I mean, that's why they say the Stanley Cup is the hardest championship to win in sports. And, I mean, I, I agree, man. It ain't easy. Fucking only one team out of 32 gets to win it every year. So, I mean, it ain't easy. So, we move on now, and we move on to the Calgary Flames, who announced their new general manager to be Craig Conroy, which is pretty awesome. He's been the assistant GM there for quite a long time. So, made sense. It's his turn, and I'm good with that. I mean, Craig Conroy is a Calgary Flames legend, and word on the street is maybe not right now, but maybe in the near future, Jerome Aginla might be getting involved. Now, I don't know what necessarily his role is going to be. Is it going to be assistant GM? Is it just going to be you know, just your typical title where he'll just show up and just be a presence. Uh, regardless, I'm extremely excited about that. Jerome McGinley is one of my favorite players of all time. Fucking love that guy. So I would love for him to get back involved with the Calgary Flames. They're going to have to get a new coach now. So, I mean, I've heard the name come up. Andrew Brunette, that was the guy that was coaching Florida last year. He had a great connection with Jonathan Huberto. So I think Hopefully, Conroy's big goal is to get Huberdeau going, to get Uyghur going, to get Kadri going, to get all the big guys that they signed to big contracts. Got to get them going. Got to get Markstrom back on on page. And, I mean, it's pretty well known that Markstrom and Daryl Sutter just didn't get along. Daryl Sutter and Huberdeau didn't get along. So, got to hope for a big old bounce back season for the Calgary Flames. Again, a lot of that's going to fall on Jacob Markstrom's shoulders, which, I mean... You, you tell me that last year, I'd feel pretty confident about that. But right now, my confidence in Markstrom is beyond shaky. Like, I just... When a, when a goalie loses all confidence in the way that Markstrom did, it could take a minute for them to get it back. And I don't know if Jacob Markstrom's the kind of goalie that's going to snap right out of that mental fog that he's in right now but I really really hope so man and I think it's awesome that you got a a former Calgary Flame you know he may not be the most well-known Flame of all time but I remember him vividly from that 03-04 run to the Stanley Cup final where they controversially lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning in my opinion Calgary should have won that cup I'll leave it at that but Really awesome. Congratulations to Craig Conroy. Hoping for a nice, successful, long run for him. And bring back Iggy because we need him. We need him in Calgary, man. Like, it's just, it doesn't feel right when Aginla's not around. And, you know, all the, I mean, it's been a long time since Aginla's been there. And, and having to watch him jump from fucking Boston to Pittsburgh to Colorado, it hurt me. It hurt me deeply. And I don't like that. I just want Jerome to come home, baby. So... That is that. What do you guys think about the new GM for the Calgary Flames? Is this going to be good? I mean, Bradshaw living, he was there for so, so long. And I think it just, it might be good to have a shakeup. We'll see how it goes. New GM. So, I mean, it's always, it's nice to see a new name get in there every now and again. Because, I mean, even with the GM searches and the, the coaching searches that have been going on around the NHL that aren't just... Uh, Calgary and Toronto. Other teams need GMs and coaches too. Washington, so on and so forth. You just hear the same freaking names all the time. Like, guys that haven't even been in the league, like, for a while. And they've done nothing. Like, fucking Peter Shirelli still getting talked about. 
fucking Mark Bergevin. Like, oh my god, dude. Like, can't we just let these old guys go and just try something new? And yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see. I, I hope, hopefully no one brings back Peter Shirelli as a GM. Apparently, he he's a fairly decent like assistant GM, but. We'll see, man. If the NHL would not be honestly wouldn't be surprised if if Bowman and Quenville are back in the NHL next year, it wouldn't surprise me because it's the NHL. It would make me very upset, of course, but um, it's the NHL. So let's go and talk about round three. Uh, definitely not what I was expecting. So both series right now they're in three three zero. So uh, basically, they're we're pretty much done here. We kind of have our our Stanley Cup finalists almost set in stone. Not officially yet though. But let's talk about Carolina versus Florida. I mean, pretty fucking good series so far. Um, game one. <sighs> Holy crap! If this series didn't doesn't go to seven or anything, I think we got just about as much hockey as uh, would have been in a seven-game series, because that first game, fucking four overtimes. Are you insane? I couldn't believe that. I, uh, I I didn't make it through. I got through the first overtime, and I was like, okay, I got... I. I'm, I'm calling it and I didn't watch it and um, yeah but pff, that game was insane like I couldn't I was keeping up with it on on the app and everything I'm like it's still going it's still going it's still going and I was like oh my goodness like they're gonna be so freaking exhausted uh, in game one though uh, Carolina does get Tara Vinen back in the lineup don't believe he's been 100% but he's back in there uh, both teams, a lot of the big story coming into the series was how Florida and, and Carolina have been utilizing that flip pass in the playoffs this series. And you could definitely see it being utilized a lot by both teams in, in game one. And I believe game two, they're, they're still using it. And Florida, I think, have been getting the edge on that one right there. So we get to overtime in this game. And, oh man, it could have been over early, but it, uh, the o- overtime goal was... For the Panthers, it got disallowed for goaltender interference. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm good with that being called for goaltender interference. I mean, in hindsight, I think, yeah, I should have just called it right there, called it a game because, oh my God, they had a whole nother game of hockey to play after that. And in the end of the fourth overtime, just like 20 seconds before they go into a fifth overtime, Matthew Kachuk puts it away, wins the game, big old celebration, walk-off winner, like, oh my god, so after that game, I was like, oh boy, we're in for a series, then game two happens, and man, I was not disappointed, this game was fucking, this was some playoff-ass hockey right here, so uh, the goalies uh, got switched up in this game because of how much they played in that first game, we're talking like 60-plus saves for Bobrovsky, and like, same with, with, um, who was in that? Freddie Anderson in the first game. And, uh, I mean, some of the amount of time. Like, Brandon Montour, I think, had like 40, 50 minutes or something. Outrageous numbers. Uh, the older guy, like, Eric Stahl had like over 25 minutes. And, like, he hadn't played that much, like, I don't think ever in his career. Out of, out of control, some of the minutes that the guys were putting in to that game one. Out of control. Game two, Carolina goes with anti-Ranta. I mean... Andy Ranta started the playoffs at this point. They were talking about Freddie Anderson rather not being 100%, dealing with an injury, or he was just fatigued from the amount of minutes that he played in the first game. Regardless, they got Andy Ranta in there. In this game, he had two goals called back for offside. I believe it was one for each team. Personally, I, I was I was annoyed 
but because uh, they were just so damn close, right? Like we're talking inches, maybe millimeters, like super duper close. And honestly, I think they should start being a lot more lenient with the offside. And they have some people have suggested getting rid of offside, but um, it is the belief uh, from most people that that's not going to happen. At least under Gary Bettman's watch, they won't do that because it's going to change the game too much. I I don't think it really will. I just think that the game is so like. Um, systems oriented and stuff like that. You're not gonna have a guy just like for like I don't know like a Panarin and he's like he's just gonna sit in the offensive zone the whole time. That's just not gonna happen. He's gonna have to come back and forecheck at some point. But I mean, I'd be super down for offsides not being a thing. But I mean, those two goals getting called back were such huge moments for this game, man. Like it was very very big and very much so momentum swinging for both teams when the goals came back. And in this game, oh my god, was it ever obvious how much these two teams fucking hate each other. Oh my god, dude. Very fun to watch for me. Maybe, like, it almost got a little bit too much. Like, they seemed at some points throughout this game that they weren't focused on that puck at all. They were just focused on hitting as hard as possible, fucking sticks flying all over the place. Battles in the corners were out of control. Battles in front of the net were horrifying. These teams fucking hated each other. It was really awesome. Such a fuck, so tight. This game, that game was so tight, man. Like both teams, very tight checking, not giving you a lot of anything. But when the chances came, they were like fucking, they were so glorious and they were missing them. And I I was very much so having a good time with this game. And it goes to overtime yet again. And you guessed it, it's Matthew Kachuk yet again with the OT winner. And this time they do the straight up, they walk right off of the ice. They go through the Zamboni door and they're celebrating in the hallway and stuff. That was awesome. What a fucking celebration. What a performance. What a coming in clutch for Kachuk getting both of the overtime winners. Like, whew, that game was fucking excellent. Really, really enjoyed that one. What a performance from Bobrovsky. I mean, even Ranta. Ranta made some unbelievable saves as well. I mean, hell of a game right there. Game three, a must win for Carolina. I mean, Carolina losing both games at home. That's huge, huge. And uh, now Carolina having to go into Florida down to nothing. I mean... Uh, it's not looking good for them and we get to game three so freddie anderson back in the net he was really fucking good in this game but Bobrovsky was even better man he posts the 32 save shutout for his first shutout in the playoffs i mean excellent performance out of Bobrovsky. florida just shut down carolina man like they really didn't have much of anything the glorious chances that were in game two like there was definitely some chances they weren't as like oh my god like crazy good chances that uh, in game two but yeah very very tightly tight defense from florida just a really fucking good game for them like wow so carolina's in the hole man they're they're down three nothing it really doesn't look good um and that's kind of been this has been their hump for a little while now has been that second third round the last time i think they were in the third round they got swept and they are in they could potentially get swept yet again which is is going to be really upsetting to the fans and ownership and management and everything like that you don't want to get absolutely demolished in the third round when you're so damn close you're getting there and you just they can't get over that that hump and man i know like caroline has been dealing with a lot of major injuries like we talked about this they don't have patch they don't have Sveshnikov, two of their big goal scorers 
And uh, Aho is getting it done, but he's only one guy. They had the depth scoring performances out of Martinook and Fast, but you can't expect those guys to keep up that performance, right? Like, it's it's good to get those heroic performances, but you can't really expect them to keep that up. And, yeah, it's kind of dried up again here, the offense in Carolina. Kind of, a, kind of the same story that it's been with Carolina for a long time, right? They just, they're very, very strong defensively. They're very good 200-foot game. Their forwards are defensively responsible, but they sacrifice that offense at times. And here it is again. Offense just isn't here in this third round. Kind of, it's, Yeah, well, that's not true. They lit up New Jersey, but... I mean, the offense just isn't here right now. It's completely shriveled up. Yes, Bobrovsky is shutting them down, but, I mean, they've had chances, and they just haven't been able to bury them, so... It's pretty much done for Carolina. I mean, it's it, the way that Florida's playing right now, you're in the third round of the playoffs. Like, this shit doesn't happen this late into the playoffs where you have these big comebacks. That that kind of thing happens in the first round, sometimes the second round. Yeah, it's, it's looking like Florida is going to their first Stanley Cup final for the first time since 1996. And we can potentially have a first-ever Stanley Cup champion with um, if the final is going to be, in fact, Vegas versus Florida. So let's move on to the Dallas and Vegas series. Another one, pretty interesting. Not I, I haven't enjoyed this series as much, but still pretty good. So coming into the series, the big story was Jason Robertson not not really he's not scoring he just hasn't gotten it on and everyone's like if Robertson can get it going watch out and I said that myself game one Robertson he scores the first goal of the series so we're like oh shit here we go could this be the emergence of Robertson right now in this playoff run it was a nice tip in front and then that's it man I mean Holden gets the overtime winner 50 seconds into the overtime period and that's it man Vegas takes this game it was a well-played game Aiden Hill was strong I mean Jack Eichel has been playing so good this playoff he's really just taking the bull by the horns man he's waited so long to get here into the playoffs and he is just playing out of his mind very good performance here from Vegas game two even better I mean I'm well, not even better for Vegas. They did not play very good, actually. I mean, Dallas was dominating this game through two periods. Like, absolutely dominating, playing really good defense, just not allowing anything to get to the net. I mean, Vegas had 10 shots. 10 shots through two periods of play. Robertson scores again. So that's two games in a row he scores. But it doesn't matter. Here comes fucking Vegas, man. No lead is safe with the Vegas Golden Knights, man. Like, they are so good at coming back. They, uh, they've done it numerous times, and they did it again. They come back. Uh, Vegas ties it late in the third period, and then Chandler Stevenson with the OT winner. I mean, what a deal that was. I believe they paid a fifth-round pick to get Chandler Stevenson, and, and look at the production and, and how good he's been for the Vegas Golden Knights since showing up there. I mean, damn, what a, what a trade. One of the better trades ever, I would say, for the Vegas Golden Knights, and they've made a lot of good ones. And, I mean, without a doubt, Dallas was the better team was the better team in this game. They got absolutely robbed in this game, but that's what Vegas does, man. If you go up against Vegas, like, you got to know that that... They're coming for you. They're going to come at you with everything, especially in that third period, and they're going to do everything to tie that game up. And they did, and then they stole it in overtime. And, I mean, fuck. I mean, it's it wasn't it wasn't as bad for Dallas as it was for Carolina because they lost both games on the road. So there was a really good chance for them to come back, win both games in Dallas. So 
Game three in Dallas goes down and just a fucking god awful first period for Dallas. Like two minutes into the game, Jamie Benn just turns the brain off. He cross-checked Mark Stone while he was on the ground, gets him really nastily into the neck. Now, uh, up until uh, now, I haven't heard of a suspension on Jamie Benn on that. I hear he is going in for a hearing, so I would imagine that means he's going to be getting suspended, which is a massive blow to the Dallas Stars. That's the captain of your team. And it was a massive blow to them in this game because he gets a five-minute major and he's kicked out of the game. Two minutes into this game, your captain's out, one of your best players out of there. So massive blow and it shows because Vegas goes up 3-0 in the first period and that's all she wrote. That's all she wrote, man. I, I had to turn the game off. I was working and um, I watched the first period and I already knew like, okay, that's it. Like, Dallas isn't coming back in that game. Uh, they also lost, I think it was Dadnoff went off on injury. So they lost a couple guys in that game to injury. Ottinger just didn't look like Ottinger in that game. I mean, he's had such a good track record of winning games after a loss. But I don't, like, the way that the NHL, like, analysts talk about stats, they they make it sound like it's, like, a guaranteed that, oh, because of, let's just say, for example, they're like, oh, this team is, is 4-0 at home. And they make it sound like, oh, that team's never going to lose at home. They just won't. And then when they lose at home, they're like, oh, my God, surprise Pikachu about it. Oh, well, the stats, they're 4-0. It's like, Jesus, man. Like, that's why I just really don't care about the stats. They're like, oh, Jake Ottinger is 57-1 and in games after a loss. It's like, well, he lost that one. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that he's never going to fuck it. He's going to win every single game after a loss. I mean, Ottinger's a young guy. He doesn't have the biggest track record. What track record he has is very, very impressive. But, I mean, Ottinger just hasn't been Ottinger in this, this playoff. And he... Didn't look too good in this game. He gets pulled. Wedgwood. No, wait. Is that his name? Wedgwood? I think it's Wedgwood. He goes in. uh, Yeah, I mean, he was fine. He let him one, but I mean, Dallas just can't figure out Aiden Hill right now. Aiden Hill, he's just having a run right now. He's getting it done. Big, big boy. He's a big goaltender. He's like 6'5", 6'4", 250 bills. Like, big, big boy, and they're getting it done. So they got the stranglehold over the Dallas Stars right now. Very disappointed. Uh, for Dallas and their fans and everything. They have such a good team. And, I mean, I, I don't think their runs are over yet. I still think they're going to be a contender next season. They're such a strong team. Heskinen, Ottinger, Rupe Heinz, I mean, Pavelski. I mean, it's, oh, I'm so devastated for Pavelski, man. I was rooting for him for so hard. But I like the story of a new Stanley Cup champion more than anything. And, yes, I know Dallas has only won once. And same with Carolina. They only won one time. But I kind of... At this point, I'm really rooting for Florida. I mean, I'm a big old fan of Matty Kachuk. And Florida, you know, they've been kind of the... Just kind of forgotten about a little bit. Like, they're kind of the other team in Florida. Even though they were there... I think they were there first. But anyway, I mean, they haven't had a whole lot of success. I mean, when their fans are there, they're they're incredible. I just... I really want them to go and do the do the thing, damn it. Do the thing. It would be great for Vegas to do it. That would be the... One of the, fa- I, I don't know 100%, but that would be probably the fastest Stanley Cup for a, for a new franchise. It might be the Edmonton Oilers still, but um, still, I, I'm down for any of these teams. I would say, I mean, I'm, I'm the least in for Carolina. I said this a hundred times. It's just because my favorite player isn't playing for them right now, Svechnikov. So um, they're the one that I'd be re- rooting for the least, I guess. But 
I'm down with all four of these teams, man. Like, I think all four of these teams are are bonafide top four teams. I think they're really, really, really good teams. And Carolina is not even at full power. So, I mean, who knows what can happen for them next year. I know. I, I can only imagine how disappointing it is. But, I mean... It's it's it is what it is, man. Only only one team gets to win out of thirty-two. So looks like it's going to be Vegas versus Florida in the finals. I think that will be spectacular. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Bobrovsky versus Aiden Hill. Holy shit, who saw that one coming? I mean, I didn't. Gonna be fun, man. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be some good hockey. Might see our first elimination tonight. I believe it's uh, Florida and Carolina playing game four tonight. So Carolina could get swept. You know, I never want to see a team well, I mean, it'd be nice to see the Bruins get swept every now and again, but you know, it, it sucks when a team gets swept. It's uh, very disappointing. You want to see them get at least one win. That would be nice. I'd eh, be nice to see them get a win at home, but they're not playing at home tonight. So we'll see how it goes for them. Same with the Dallas Stars. They'll be playing tomorrow. They can get a win at home. That would be nice. At least give your fans something to go off on on the offseason instead of getting swept you really have not much happiness in that getting swept right so I think that's going to be everything for this week right here right now I don't have any other uh, big news that's going around right now oh well, I didn't mention that the Toronto Marlies coaching staff uh, they were also all let go it is what it is also I guess congratulations to uh, the final four for the Memorial Cup. I don't remember all their names. I think it's like the Ramparts. I know the Pete's are in there because I mean, holy shit! I, that was a that was pretty impressive. The Pete's taking out the the London Knights. That was pretty cool. So I guess I'm rooting for the Pete's. But um, congratulations to the to the four teams that made it into the Memorial Cup. Good luck to the four of you. And uh, that is going to be the show, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. You can go back and check out uh, this Monday's, or just this past Monday's GX GamerCast. It was on Super Mario World, an all-time legendary game. I finally beat it for the first time in my life after, jeez, I've, I've, oh, it's been too long. It's taken me way too long to finally beat that game, so you can go over there and listen to my opinions on that game. Does it still stand the test of time? Is it a true masterpiece or not? So you can go back and listen to that. I don't have a 100% definitive idea of what the GamerCast is going to be this Monday, but it'll be something, you know what I'm saying? Been playing a lot of Tears of the Kingdom, not really ready to do a full episode on that, so it'll be something, we'll figure something out, and of course this weekend we're going to have the WrestleCast, I believe there is a... I think there is a, what do you call it, a pay-per-view this week, so there'll be a pay-per-view episode as well reviewing that, so that'll be on Saturday and or Sunday, so you can look forward to that, and of course, you can always go down, check out the links below, you can go follow me on Twitter, or you can go check out my YouTube page, GamerGXVideos, again, links are down there in the description, you can follow along with those, playing through Resident Evil 8 Village on the YouTube channel right now, getting scared. On a daily episode, I would have to say, every episode, there's at least one, I would say, at least one scare, so it's it's pretty fun, you know, I like the game, it scares the hell out of me, I, I like recording scary games, it's it's the way that I get through them, and uh, yeah, I'd really appreciate if you go over there, let me know what you think of all that, and if you want to send in any questions for the, the podcast, you can do that at the email address, also in the link below, you can send questions on YouTube, Twitter, anything like that related to hockey, video games, or wrestling where you just want to ask questions about the podcast whatever have you just want to have conversations all good so thank you guys so much for listening it's your hump day but you're getting close to that weekend baby oh it's so close oh god